seems silly to talk about this, one of those things that, that so many poets say, but this idea of Ellen Lee Dickinson of telling the truth, but telling it slant, is something that interests me very, very much, and is certainly a part of um, my relationship to writing in persona and writing what I now think of as variously voiced poems. Gabrielle Cavacaresi is a poet and essayist whose most recent book, Apocalyptic Swing, was a finalist for the Los Angeles Times Book Award. Her poems have been featured in the Washington Post, on Garrison Keillor's Writer's Almanac, and are forthcoming in the Boston Review and the New York Times. She writes the Sports Desk column for the Best American Poetry blog and is on the advisory board of the Rumpus's Poetry Book Club. She is the poetry editor for the Los Angeles Review of Books, and in the fall of 2013, she will join the creative writing faculty at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. From Rocket Fantastic. Falcon in the trees, bobcat in the grasses. The hermit took us through the orchard to see the white pomegranate. I asked when they'd be ripe. In the fall. Past us, I thought. If the band leader cared, it didn't show. Though he liked the hermit, or the idea of the hermit. How much do you think? How much does a hermit cost all through dinner? And how we couldn't take the pomegranates home. I asked if they'd get red, and the hermit said, no, they'd stay like this. I asked, are they sweet? Sweeter, then deeper, into the orchard, until I couldn't see the band leader anymore, just green everywhere, and the hermit's straw hat, like the grasses on the ranch we stayed at, not gold, but, I can't say, something like gold. I followed him in deeper, not missing the band leader at all. He said, autumn's good, and I said, you mean better? All the greens around us like stars, the way they shimmered, almost wet with the sun, but not. No, not better. Just good. I felt a little sick in all the green, like right before the school play starts. Everyone huddled in the wings, not nervous, just too close. I said, I saw a bobcat in the grasses last night. To steady myself, I touched the trunk, which was cooler. Mulberry, he said. That's mulberry. Ignoring the bobcat, which the band leader hadn't believed. You didn't see a bobcat. I did. I knew it was. A bobcat lived around here, the hermit said, and put a berry in my hand. The band leader walking up to lean down and take it in his mouth. Locked away, we're like a Russian novel. The hermit and the cowboy, me stepping from the train. A world of snow, his great coat, a den of baby foxes, skinned and sewn together. We're a field of stars, all the peasants' sheep shorn in haste, made into a carpet, placed beneath my feet. The station master's son sent through the night to find us, this small room, 
He's the foxes and the wolves. He's the doves with their curved necks waiting out the rain. He's the grass starting to shake. He's the metals on his own bureau. He's the silver glinting on his horse's bridle. I said, Samovar sounds like a knight. It's just a fancy teapot. He's my Samovar. He's the steam that makes my cheeks glow. So all the women talk. He's the snow covering the wolf's tracks, the party of sleds sent out and not returning. He gives me his alpha alphabet of notes, one by one each day. He's a thousand pages, read across the endless plains till he rides hard beneath my window and helps me down as the first flakes fall and I say, you brought the first snow for me. You've been listening to the poetry of Gabrielle Cavacaresi on The Poet's Weave. I'm Romaine Rubinus-Dorsey. So, Gabrielle, you were, you were um, talking about, in, in the quotes that you prefaced the readings with, it seemed to be a kind of intersection between um, personal material um, and a kind of interest in uh, in voicing others, mm-hmm. and you know, and really how history is made, right? Mm-hmm. And, and by people, mm-hmm. right? Um, I would love to hear um, you talk a little bit about about this path you've taken from personal material to mm-hmm. these other voices. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I think, like so many people. Um, whether it's when they start writing poems or making any kind of art um, or, or just living in the world. Um, you know, I, I had had an experience in my life. My mother had taken her life when I was 13. She had been very ill uh, for, for most of my life, all of my life up until that point. You know, I, I had this thing happen that was um, this kind of unspeakable event that I, that I couldn't find a way to put language to. Um, and then when I began writing about it, it seemed like it was the only thing I would ever write about. And and at some point I realized that I seemed to only be able to write about the surface of the event, you know? Yeah. And I and that the event itself and and me writing about the surface was protecting me from really really investigating it and and thinking about um what what it really meant for me. And um and so I began when I was at Columbia through the teaching of uh, my wonderful professors Richard Howard and Lucy Brock Broido, um, I began working with persona and with these historical poems as a way of thinking about how I might talk about um, the the sort of loss that I had experienced and what it actually meant for me um, within a larger context and in a way that would be consistently surprising for me. Right, so this this circus fire, which was I think the first series of poems that where I tried to kind of think about a, a historical event um, through the use of poems. Really, that came from um, Lucy Brock Broido giving me the poem "The City" by Cavafy, uh, yeah. you know, which yeah. is one of my favorite poems in the world, um, and it's a poem that just says it, you know, it just says it. But she gave it to me as an example of of a poem um, that could could possibly help me 
think about um, how, what happens if you pull away all the ornament and the drama and you find another way to tell your story. Yeah. And um, I remember reading that poem and I, I went home and I wrote the first circus poem. And for some reason, that event, even though um, it had the possibility for tremendous melodrama in the writing, I mean, it could have easily been like the worst poem in America. I mean, who knows, maybe <laughs> it is. But, um, but instead, what I realized is I had to take this event that, that was so overwhelmingly terrible, which in my own small way, my mother's death felt like for me. And I had to find an intimate and quieter way of talking about it. Right. You know? right. And so, so my own experience of loss um, both got to be grounded but also diffused through thinking of you know, all the various details of this story that I then researched. So that was the beginning of my interest in, in the personal and the his, historical coming together. And, um, and it's continued with me, although now I'm, I'm thinking a lot about um, sort of changing that pattern a little bit and, and thinking about instead of having a series of poems about one specific event, having the event go on, the historical event sort of going on behind the speakers and, and having them not necessarily even being aware it's happening, um, but we know as readers. Oh, I like that. I like the – I mean what, what was clear to me listening to the new poems is that there is a kind of – those the, the poems from the last time I saw Amelia Earhart um, – in particular, I feel like are, are very um, – they feel like eyewitness poems mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we're allowed to hear the voices of the eyewitnesses. Yeah. And, you know, it's very effective and very personal. It feels mm-hmm. very personal, those mm-hmm. poems do to mm-hmm. me. Um, but these newer poems feel like they have – they've you've changed the locus of mm-hmm. perception. Yeah. And that I think is really – it changes everything. Yeah. It yeah. does, and it's it's a really interesting project for me. Um, and I, I mean, I don't really think of it as a project, but I but I do think of it as um, I, I love that term eyewitness, and it's something that I was really interested in. Um, but I wanted to think about as I was as I'm writing these new poems. One of the things I'm thinking a lot about is the idea of intimacy in a poem, right, and immediacy. Yeah. And um, I think. That the poems in The Last Time I Saw Amelia Earhart, um, I read some of the poems for, for you today, I think that they are, they are um, intimate and, and personal in a certain way. But these new poems seem to me um, intimate in the sense that we're watching people just live their lives and they don't really – they're not really thinking about the fact that this, this huge thing is going on behind them um, and so the poems become voyeuristic in a little bit of a way, yeah. in a way, and that that is interesting to me because then it plays into issues of perception and reality that have been a, a consistent um, concern for me. Uh, one of the quotes I should have given, which I didn't, um, is is Bishop's um, line from Santorum, which is, "I liked the place, I liked the idea of the place," and that that. That quote is actually probably the central quote of my poetics and I've been trying to kind of figure that out for a really long time, what she meant by that and, and, and how it relates to me, not just in terms of, of um, the poems on the page but also I have a visual uh, neurological disability called nystagmus and um, it does all kinds of interesting things with perception for me and um, 
And so there's there's these new poems. I think there's a kind of hallucinatory quality of them, of people thinking they're seeing one thing, but actually it's another. Right. And that's actually something that happens in Bishop all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and you, you were talking the other night about thinking about persona more as, as world-making. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was struck by very much was how the, the poems allow us to participate in how the world is made rather mm-hmm. than the making of it, yeah, right. It's the it's that that very thing you're talking about, the way perception works and how we make the world, yeah, which is really beautiful. Well, and I love that you say that it allows you to participate in how the world is made because one of the things I do think about my first two books, and I mean, I'm I like my first two books a lot. I'm, I'm very grateful to them for everything <laughs> they have given me. Um, but I do think that they are controlled in a different way, um, and I think that. There is something ab- – and, and we think of persona as like – or many people do as a kind of conceit. And I think one of the things that people, I think wrongly, um, will, will sort of give persona poets a hard time about is, um, well, why don't you just write about yourself? You know, why aren't you – but I think it's – I think that very often what they are responding to, not to put words in people's mouths or brains in their head, but like I think that like – I think one of the things they're often responding to is their sense that the po- that that poetry has to overtly be a poem about the self, um, and that it has to have uh, a kind of immediacy of the mind moving, the poet's mind moving in front of you, not the poet's mind making something in front of you. If, I don't know if that makes sense, that makes but sense, yeah. um, and so one of the things about this new book that I am working on, I do think, is that. Um, I would say that I don't agree with that. I think that I, – I would say that I don't agree with that that idea. But um, but what I would say is that I do think that um, even in the making of great persona poems – and I'm, I'm not saying mine are or aren't. But but even in the making of great persona poems, yes, there's, there's a kind of – you're in conversation with a whole other history of – poems, much as if you were writing sonnets or villanelles. Right. You know, you're, you're part of talking about a history of making a specific thing um, in a different way than I think if you're just writing first-person lyric poems. I think it's, it's slightly different. Um, one of the things about these new poems is this idea of moving, for me at least, from a notion of persona to, to poems that I think of as variously voiced, even though there are characters in this new book in a way that there haven't been in any other books of mine. Um, but so that it's not so much about the idea of witness and, wow, I got to sort of re-experience this event through the voice of this person. But um, I heard someone talking, I heard someone speaking, not necessarily to me. And as I was listening to that person speaking, I began to create the world of the event in my mind as well. Yeah. And could you? And that is something that's important to me because I grew up in a family that owned movie theaters, and so I have a real relationship to the movies. Mm. And and one thing about these new poems that I am very interested in is: could you create an experience in a series in a, in a group of poems um, that felt like the experience of not watching a movie, but felt like that experience when you're watching a movie where there's no separation between yourself and the movie? Right. Could right. you create? really, because I'm fascinated, all, a lot of poets right now use the term cinematic, particularly younger poets. Um, and I was interested in, okay, well, if that isn't a matter of just like how it looks and like how scene is working in your poem, but it's actually a feeling, could you create a cinematic feeling in a poem, which to me is like sort of lyric to the point of like almost a kind of 
hallucinatory experience. Right. You fall into another point of view. Yeah. Which is really quite extraordinary. And I think it happens with music, too, which is something I'm really interested in. And these are very – I mean, all my work is really influenced by what I'm listening to musically. But these poems are – I'm very interested in the idea of polyphonic music right now. And these are really thinking about – and it's one of the reasons I've I've sort of pulled away from persona for this and thinking about variously voiced because it's actually – could you have multiple levels of voice going on over a long period of poetry um, that is – they're each having their own individual narrative, but together they're also creating a singular kind of sound. Yeah, wonderful. Gabrielle, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's I love being in Bloomington. Here. I've eaten great. It's been <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs>